Well, it's great to be with you this morning on this first Sunday of Advent. And uh, as I begin this morning, I want to just invite you to think with me for a little bit about uh, children and children's perspective on Christmas. Because if you ask a kid, uh, a kid, if you ask them what Christmas is about, they might be inclined to say it's about Santa. And if you were to ask a kid what they want from Santa or they want for Christmas, they have lots of things that they might say that they would want. So I'm going to share with you a few things that kids have asked for at Christmas as we think about Christmas and what it's all about. This is one uh, mother that said, my oldest asked for a real baby sister and a toy stepmother. <laughs> and then the mother writes, she says, she already has a baby sister and the stepmother thing isn't going to happen. <laughs> my five-year-old asked for kitten chow. We don't have a cat. Okay. My daughter, who is 16, asked for prenatal vitamins. I looked at her with a blank stare, and she said, so my hair will grow longer. Okay, that was maybe not so funny on that one, huh? Okay, my daughter asked for a can of chocolate frosting and a spoon. Can I get an amen for that? Bag of Oreos and a glass of milk is about as good as it gets, right? Can I get an amen? Okay, thank you. My five-year-old asked for deodorant. Okay, I don't know many five-year-olds. Well, I don't know. I've seen a few five-year-olds that maybe need some. Uh, my 15-year-old nephew asked for a pound of bacon. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about, huh? Uh, one uh, child asked for a box of stovetop stove dressing. That's all they wanted for Christmas was a box of stovetop, right? Uh, yeah, you, I'm like, okay, yeah, that works, stovetop dressing. And my favorite, uh, my three-year-old wants glow-in-the-dark pull-ups. Yeah, I bet you those are a hot item at Christmas, right? <laughs> Glow-in-the-dark pull-ups. Well, we're here today to, as we begin this series of Advent, uh, uh, Let There Be Light, to remember what Christmas is all about. And when you think about the history of Christmas and all the celebration that comes along with Christmas, it's always been and always needs to be about the light. The light is Jesus. And nowhere else in the Bible can you find as succinct a record of uh, a summary, if you will, of the person and work of Jesus than you do find in the prologue to the book of John. John chapter 1. Let me invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. I'm going to read the prologue. And again, it speaks about the person and work and nature of Jesus. I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. 
they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about Him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Christ or Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who, himself, who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, there's a lot that is said there, but I want to lead us this morning in thinking about this idea uh, of the light, that Jesus is the light. Now, John, John the Baptist, that the gospel writer John speaks about here, was out in the wilderness speaking to everybody. He was trying to be a witness to the light. John says John the Baptist was not the light. He was a witness to the light that was coming. And let me just invite you to think this morning about how important it is that lights are, especially at Christmas time. Many of us will go and we'll wander around and we'll drive neighborhoods because we want to look at the lights. If you have a Christmas tree, a Christmas tree really isn't a Christmas tree without the lights on it, right? And when we gather on Christmas Eve, we gather with the candles and communion that we'll have on Christmas Eve, and we'll have the candles because Jesus is the light of the world, right? It was said when the Reyes family came up and lit the candles this morning, the Christ candle, we light that first because Jesus is the light of the world. The light is coming. The lights that are on the houses and on the trees, we need to be reminding our kids, our grandkids, our family members, when we're looking at the lights, that the lights are intended to be a testimony, a witness to, speaking of the real light, celebrating that the light is coming into the world. People that have no idea what Christmas is about are putting lights on their houses and putting up trees with lights on them. But, but let's remember that what they are doing, what the heart of it is, is they're really celebrating that Jesus is the light of the world, even though they do not know it. It's a witness to the light, a witness to the light that is coming. Now, one of the things that I know about us is that we desperately need light. When you think about John's gospel and what John is proclaiming to us, one of the things that John wanted us to understand is that this light, Jesus, this light is about hope. And who doesn't need hope? Every single one of us needs hope. Surely you've heard the express, expression, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And, and a pessimist might say, well, the light at the end of the tunnel, you better watch out, could be a train coming at you, right? But in the most positive sense, the light at the end of the tunnel is about hope. That because of Jesus, there is always hope available to us. So we're going to look at a few ways the Bible speaks to us about Jesus, the light of the world. The light is the fulfillment of prophecy. You understand that the Messiah coming was something that was prophesied in the Bible. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came, there were people speaking about this God that would send the Messiah so that the people could know with certainty the power of God. In 2 Peter 1, 19, it says, 
And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Peter is speaking about the prophetic, prophetic voices that have come before Jesus, that they came hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus. And just as those prophets spoke about the coming of the Messiah, Peter reminds us that in Jesus we have the Messiah, and the Messiah is going to speak prophetic words about us through his word, which we have in the Bible. And one of the things we know about prophecies are that very often prophecies take a long time to be fulfilled. Reading from Jeremiah this morning, uh, as they lit the Advent wreath, that prophetic voice happened 600 years before Jesus was born. Do you know that there are over 300 prophecies in the Bible about the Messiah? And every single one of those prophecies, if you were to go and study, what you would find is every single one of those were fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Prophetic voices that come long before they are fulfilled. And some of you here today would say that, that you have had things in your life that you have prayed about for God and with God, things that you've wanted to see happen in your life that are significant, that are meaningful, and that you would say, God has fulfilled that promise in you. God fulfilled the promise in me about having an amazing wife when I met Chrissy and had the opportunity and privilege of, of getting married to her. It was a fulfillment of, of, a, of a seed that God had planted in me. But it didn't happen overnight. It took time. Sometimes prophecies take a long time. And there may be some of you here today that are discouraged because there's something in your life that you're, you're hoping for some fruit to come out of it, and, and you're discouraged because you've been beat down, because there's an issue going on in your life for which you feel there's darkness there. And I just want to remind you today that the seed of hope has been planted in you because that's who Jesus is, the light of the world, always bringing to us the next reminder of what the light is, is he is the breaking of oppression. The breaking of oppression. Matthew tells us that when the wise men came to worship the king, it says, where, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And those kings that came from the east to worship the, the king that was born, perhaps they had read in Numbers, chapter 24, passage that had been written 1,400 years earlier. This is what it says in Numbers 24, verse 17. It says, I see him, but not here and now, referring to the Messiah. I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. It will crush the heads of Moab's people. 1,400 years before Jesus came, the stage was set for men from the east to realize that this rising star was the fulfillment of what Numbers 24 said. And they came to worship because these wise men sought the same thing that you and I seek, and that is the breaking of oppression in our lives. There are some here today who need oppression broken in their lives. And this passage refers to the people of Moab. And the people of Moab to the east of Israel were the nemesis of Israel at that time. And God's word spoke to them and said that I will, I will raise up a scepter, a star in the east, and that scepter will deliver the people of Israel. God 
wants the oppression that you are facing right now to be broken. People right now struggling with bondage in your life because of something that's going on in your mind. Some lie that you believe that somebody spoke into your world that was a lie about who you are. Something that is going on in your life because of your struggle in your marriage or your struggle with health. I don't know what it might be, but there are people right here right now who are struggling with darkness. And part of the purpose of the light is to help us know that there is always hope. There is always a future because Jesus knows how to break the oppression. A third attribute of this light is life on purpose. John said it this way in verses 3 and 4 that I read to you already. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Did you know that everything on this planet was created on purpose? Did you know that about this planet that we live on? That God created this planet with all that is on this planet as a resource for us to be able to excel in our lives. Every single thing that we need is, is on this planet that God gave to us. Now, we may have questions about the creation. Uh, we may question why God created mosquitoes would be one of the ones that I would question, uh, or chiggers would be my number two, and fire ants would be number three on my list that I want to ask God about someday, right? I don't really understand the purpose of those things, but God is far wiser than I, and God knows about purpose. And we, even though we may not know about something else's purpose, you need to understand that the reason that you are here is because God has given you a purpose for this life. There are many things that God wants to use you to accomplish, not only in your life, but in the life of the people that are significant around you. Maybe even in the life of somebody that you have a chance meeting with, that God would use you to plant a seed in somebody else. Everything that God has made is for a purpose, and you have purpose when you get the light of Jesus Christ in you. And you're probably aware that we live in a purposeless culture, that the world in which we live basically says that, that the world and all that is in it was created by chance. It was an accident. But the light reminds us that there is divine purpose, that God created us, that because of our free will, we chose to be disobedient to God, and that God sent the light, Jesus Christ, to restore us in right relationship with God. And this is exactly why Jesus was sent, to bring purpose to your and my life. Some of you are facing tough decisions about whatever is going on in your life right now. What a great God that we have that wants to bring wisdom to bear on that decision that you've got. There may be a single mom in the room today that is single, as a single mom for the first time or a single dad for the first time and who is struggling to figure out how they can make Christmas really special without the other parent around anymore. This God that we love is a God of wisdom that gives to us the direction that we need in times like that as well to help us learn how to help our kids understand the true meaning of Christmas and to have joy in their lives. The next scriptural attribute of light is God's glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said, Let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ, so that we could know the glory of God. If you are a follower of Jesus, 
If you are a follower of Jesus, then the light of Jesus lives in you. The glory of God lives in you. Take a moment. Take a moment right now to reflect upon what it means that the glory of God lives in you. The glory of God lives in you. Amazing to know God. You see, God sent Jesus not to just to help us know what God is like, but so that we could experience personally that relationship with God, to experience the light of God's glory. Paul said it here in 2 Corinthians that Jesus came to show us what God is like, who God is, and that we can have a relationship with him. That God is not on some mountain that you have to go climb somewhere uh, in order to find your spiritual fulfillment. That God is not residing in some deep, dark cave that you can only find God by going down the secret cave and getting all the secret codes to get in the deep, dark cave. No, God is existing in you. You don't have to go anywhere outside of you, outside of this room, outside of who you are to experience the power of God alive in you. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, the glory of God living in you. Let me ask you, how do you measure the worth of your life? I know some people that measure the worth of their life by the amount of money that they have in the bank or the amount of possessions that they have. How do you measure the value of your life? Let me suggest to you that if you're looking for purpose in life, if you're looking for worth in this life, the worth of this life does not come from things or from money. The worth of your life comes from knowing the power of God, the glory of God living in you. One of the things that I know that is true about this, about this God's glory residing in me, is that one of the challenges that I have as a pastor is that, that, that I am made in such a way that I like to keep everybody happy. I like to make sure that everybody is happy. And that one of the things that I know about people is that if you have more than three people in the room, somebody's not going to be happy. And in the life of a church, it becomes challenging for anybody in leadership to try to make sure that everybody is keeping happy. But God uses the challenges of my own life to remind me that I've got to refocus on the person of Jesus Christ and nobody else. That my identity does not come from making you or somebody else happy. That my identity comes from knowing the God of glory that lives in me and his peace that gives my life purpose. A fifth attribute of this light is that, that this light is the light of the world. John 8, 12 says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. What are you chasing that you think will bring light to your world? Is it money? Is it power? Is it sex? What, what is it that you are chasing? Would you be willing to be honest enough with yourself right now this morning to ask yourself the question, what is it that I am chasing that I think is bringing light to my life? And ask yourself the question, does it really bring any light to me? Or is it destroying my life? In John 3.16, you've heard this one before, haven't you? For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. 
Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. In Acts 4, verse 12, we find Peter giving the very first sermon recorded in the Bible. And Peter, in the midst of his sermon, he says to the people listening, he says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is one true light, the light of Jesus Christ. Sixth, the sixth attribute of light is new life and eternal life, if you will. New life, 1 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. I say it regularly. I think it's something that we regularly need to be reminded of, and that is with the power of the light living in us, we have the opportunity every single day to be created new. Every single day when you wake up in the morning, you have a new opportunity to be, to be a better you than you were yesterday. Christ renews us every single day. I love that I am made new every single day. And there are a lot of days where I'm so rejoice-filled because of the knowledge that I am made new today because yesterday was a rotten day. And what a glorious gift that God gives to us to know that every day is a new gift, that we're made new every day. New life and eternal life. 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10 says this, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time, to show us his grace, grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. With Jesus, you are given life today and life immortal. It's not just eternal life. Think about it this way, that you are immortal. You will not die if you have Christ, the light, living in you. And then the final attribute of this life, this light is your choice. John 3, 18 to 20 says, There is no judgment against anyone who, who believes in him. You hear it? There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, meaning Jesus. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God, God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. It's your choice to live and walk in the light or not. Have you? Are you living in the light? Please understand that if you do not know about this light and you're here maybe for the first time today or maybe you're watching online and you don't understand what this light is about, thank you for coming and being a part of us today. But be aware that what Christmas is truly about is this one person, Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came to the world so that we might know God's love through him. But you have to make a choice. Are you going to open your heart and life to him today? Or are you going to continue to walk in the darkness? You will never find the light that you are searching for in your life until you finally open your life to the love of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we have challenges about 
trying to help people see the light of Jesus. And sometimes we get in the way because we are human, because we are broken, because we are, are imperfect. Sometimes we become the biggest obstacle to somebody becoming a Christian because they look at us and they say, gosh, they say they're a Christian, but look at the way they live their lives. Sometimes our walk and our talk does not fit what we say. Sometimes we're the biggest obstacle to someone choosing Jesus. But please remember that God wants to use you and God wants to use me to help people know that Jesus is the light. But the only way to get that purpose is to choose Jesus. You have to choose. I want to thank you last weekend for being so gracious to Nathan who came. Nathan and Jess and Ariella, if you were here, I hope uh, that you were here and were blessed by them. Uh, I, I was certainly blessed. Christian and I made the trip out to Tyler last week when Nathan and Jess came over here. Uh, and by the way, thank you for loving on them the way you did and encouraging them. Uh, Nathan and Jess were all so excited about their time with you last weekend. We went out, Christian and I did, to Tyler. Nathan pastors two churches. First one is, is Henry's Chapel. He's, he just uh, finished his fifth year anniversary at Henry's Chapel. It was, uh, it was chartered in 1865. I think. Is that what sound right, Chrissy? Uh, and there's a cemetery right to the right of it there. You see the archway that, that is the cemetery. And uh, it's, it was, it was uh, started at the very same time. So there are even a lot of headstones in that cemetery that don't have names on because they don't know who those people are. But it's a quaint little church, beautiful little church. Their service started at 945. So I, I was there uh, in the morning and got there and greeted the people and we had our service. And then after the service... Uh, the troop, uh, this is called, it's called Henry's Chapel, actually, the church. They were going to have their Thanksgiving meal. But I needed to get out of there because I had to go down the road to the other church, the Nathan pastors, which is called Carlisle United Methodist Church. So their service starts at 1115. So the people at Henry's Chapel went to eat, and I went over here. Nathan gave me the keys to the church. Uh, I got there. This is the first picture I took. There's a little yellow tag on the door that is from the sheriff that was by at 2.15 in the morning to check the doors. said all was secure at 2.15. Nathan said, you got to be careful because the key is kind of wonky to get into the church. It took, me, it took me about 15 minutes to get into the church. It was really, really wonky. Uh, and uh, when I went inside, here's what it, the Carlisle Church looks like. This is from the pulpit looking back, right? Beautiful, beautiful uh, sanctuary. Love all the wood trusses. Here's another picture from uh, the balcony looking forward. Uh, and um, service was to start at 11.15, and 11.15 came and went, and 11.20 came and went, 11.25 came and went, and nobody showed. The Carlisle Church's worship attendance for this year so far is 1.7 people per day. There are some days where nobody shows at the Carlisle Church. Many days, actually. Some days there's four. Some days there's two. This is a church, and the reason I bring it to your attention is this is a church that had made the decision a long time ago that they wanted not to be about the light of Jesus because they were turning themselves inwardly and focusing on their needs, on what I want, rather than on trying to help the community know who Jesus is. And this church is, is, is about ready to die. Nathan has tried to lead them into to some growth, but the people of the church, the two or three or four people, they don't want to do anything. They just want a place where they can be buried one day. And it, it, it hurts my heart uh, because it's such a beautiful little spot and, and uh, a reminder to us 
about what happens when we, the church, let our focus be on us, not on the world that is around us. Well, after uh, spending uh, till about 11.30 there at Carlisle, I went back over to uh, Henry's Chapel. The next slide is of inside Henry's Chapel. Uh, this is uh, where I preached at last Sunday. And then the next picture is from the back looking forward. And um, just a great little place. Well, so I, I got back to, to this church, and the Thanksgiving dinner was going on, and people were already starting to leave because they had already eaten their share of food. And some of the ladies of the church fixed me a plate, and, the, and that plate was about this tall, right? <laughs> That's what the ladies do, right? And so I sat down and visited with the people that were still around, and they kept dwindling and dwindling, going on their way. The music director stayed and visited, he and his wife. And by the time uh, I was about finished with my food, everybody was gone except for me and the music director and his wife. And we had a nice, wonderful visit. And then we uh, got ready to leave. He and his wife left. And I wanted to stay because there was one last thing that I wanted to do at this church. And that is I wanted to go out and visit the graveyard outside because there was a very precious little grave out there for Annabeth Wesley, who, who was a miscarriage that Jessalyn had when she was uh, well into her pregnancy. And Nathan and Jess had the courage to take the remains of Annabeth and put them in a little box. And Christy and I were out there on that day, and we helped dig the hole and put that little box down into the ground and then covered up with dirt. And, and this is uh, her gravestone. And it sits all by itself in the corner of that graveyard, and right outside that, that graveyard, just on the other side of the fence from where her, uh, her gravestone is, is the playground for the kids. And I, and, and I bring this to your attention today because it's about the light. Because what I believe is that, that when inception happens, the Spirit of God moves into that embryo, and there's a life there. The Spirit of God has created life. And we never got to meet Annabeth. She died well before her time. But I love the light of Jesus Christ because another reason I love him is because of him. Someday, Christian and I get to meet Annabeth. Someday, I get to meet a grandchild that I have never met on this life, and I get to spend eternity with her. What a gift the light is. Let us as a church, let us the people of God, continue to, to remember that the light, the light is Jesus. And he is the one who must lead us today and tomorrow and forever. What is one thing that you can do this Christmas? What is one thing that you can do this Christmas to help somebody know that Jesus is the light? May you... Engage in that, not just at Christmas, but all year through. Tell people know that Jesus is the light. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for the gift of the light that is Jesus. We praise you for the way that because of that light, we can have life. And not just any life, but a life that is filled with abundance, joy, and peace, and purpose. So, God, as we bow our heads and hearts right now, it is my prayer that if there is one in this room, one who is watching online, who has never invited 
Jesus to be their Lord, that today they would make that decision, the most important decision they could ever make, and that, God, we would, all of us, celebrate that Jesus is about the light coming into our lives, into this world. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.